son, what, what, this? Well, what's this? Oh, well, son, to answer that question, I'm going to have to take you way, way back. Way back, actually, to when I was your age. Yeah, 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah, we've been in the desert a long time. See, son, when I was your age, we were slaves in Egypt. We worked for Pharaoh day and night. We slaved away. But Moses, this, this man who was God's prophet and our leader, he said that God had come to him and told him that, that, we, that he was going to lead us out of Egypt, that God was going to take us out of Egypt. We thought he was a little crazy. And he didn't have a jar, but he did have a stick. And he said, this is the staff of God. And that with this stick, he would lead us out of Egypt. And he did. He brought plagues. He brought disease. He brought signs and wonders. Until finally, Pharaoh said, fine, go. And, and we left. Now, I don't know where I was thinking we would go, but... But he led us out into this desert, and, and then he turned us around, and we ended up kind of, well, if you've ever heard stuck between a rock and a hard place, that's where we were. We were stuck between the Red Sea and a mountain range, and Pharaoh's army had come. Now, Moses said, no, don't panic. We all panicked. But God had appeared in a cloud each day to give us shade, and then God had appeared in a pillar, this wall of fire, to, and, and he brought this fire between us and Pharaoh's army and the sea. We were stuck. But then the wind came up, and the staff that Moses was holding was put down in the sea, and all of a sudden it split, and these walls of water came up. Huge. Just, I, I couldn't even see the top. And my dad grabbed my hand and he said, son, let's go. And the wind was blowing and the, the, the seabed was dry. And we walked through the sea. We walked through the sea. All night it took. Finally, we got to the other side. And we saw Pharaoh's army coming through the sea after us. Chariots, swords, crossbows, everything. And the sea came crashing together and the entire army drowned Pharaoh drowned we stood on the other side and and we realized that God saved us Moses led us on he led us in a song of victory really praise to God and then his sister Miriam she led us in a song and we walked and we marched And it was the most amazing feeling. Now, I'm not sure what my eight-year-old mind thought once we were out of Egypt. I don't know if I thought there might be cotton candy in this place or if there would be like an amusement park in this place. But there was just a lot of desert. Not dessert, desert. And we had a lot of wind and a lot of sand and no water. We had our, our tunics up over our face to keep us the sand out of our from going up our nose. I know it's a little gross, but, but it's just the reality of the desert. And the first day that we walked without any water, 
was tolerable. My dad told me to suck it up and swallow my spit. Then the second day, I was miserable. Every minute. Dad, I'm thirsty. Dad, I'm thirsty. I don't have any spit left. I looked over at my grandmother because we were all traveling in families. There's half a million people looking for water. Her skin had started to crack on her hands and started to bleed. By the third day, I I thought I was going to die. The third day, I didn't have any, not only any spill, it hurt to even ask and say I was thirsty. And just, just when I thought that, that it was going to be the end, I, I looked over and I, and I said, Dad, why, why would God save us through water and then not give us any water in the desert? Why would this God do that? And he bent over and he said, Son, this is a new God. This is a different God. All those gods in Egypt, they are not like this God. We have to believe what Moses has been telling us. We have to believe that God will bring us through, that this God is different. That if he brings us through a sea, that he will have a plan for us. Just when I thought I I couldn't take another step. These murmurings, these sounds up, up in front of the crowd, they said, Water! Water! These murmurings became shouts in the back and people started dragging friends, dragging themselves to this oasis, this oasis where the water looked, looked beautiful, the water looked ample, the water looked like everyone would get to drink, and surely they did. They were crawling, some of them crawling on their arms, sticking their whole face in the water, slurping it up like dogs. I'm like, Dad, can you please carry me? Can you please carry me? He's like, nope. But he took my hand and he led me to the water. And just as we approached the water, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I heard the gagging. I heard the spitting. I heard the coughing. (coughs) Disgusting. Oh, it's so bitter. Moses! The people started to yell. The people started to complain just bitterly. This water, we can't drink this water. Why did you bring us out in the wilderness to kill us? Oh, it was bad. It was bad. Moses didn't listen to them. I mean, listened enough to go by himself. He walked away from the crowd. We saw him lift up his hands to God and get down on his knees. And Moses cried out to God. My father turned to me and he said, do you, do you see that? Son, I remember when we, were, when we were still in Egypt. I remember when Moses had to go face Pharaoh. I remember my father coming back and he's saying, the one you cry out to, he's the one you serve. And it was then that I first realized Moses served God. After Moses had cried out to God and the people were still complaining, Moses went over and he saw this branch, this tree branch, and he picked it up. We didn't know what in the world he was doing, but he picked it up and he carried it over to the 
to the oasis and he heaved it in the water and the stick went in the water and he says, God has heard your complaining. You're not complaining to me, you're complaining to him. He has taken this bitterness, this bitter water, and he has made it sweet. Now drink. For this place will be called Mara, because Mara means bitter, where you complained bitterly against the Lord. But drink up, all of you, because God has saved you. And we did. And it was so sweet. So sweet. So forevermore, we called that place Mara. And we journeyed on. But before we left, God issued a decree. Now, I don't remember hearing God, but Moses said that God had spoken to him, and we were to listen. And so we did. He said, first of all, listen carefully to your God. If you just listen carefully to your God, if you do what is right, and if you pay attention to God's commands, and if you obey his decrees, if you do just these four things, that God would not bring any of the disease that he brought on Egypt. And, and even though I was eight, I remember it well. If we just do this, God would heal us. God wanted to heal us. I guess I didn't even know we needed healing. But a lifetime of slavery would do that to people. And so God set us off. Moses took us just a little further to a new place, a real oasis, the oasis of a limb. Oh, it was better than an amusement park. There were palm trees to provide shade and coconuts. There were 12 springs so that everyone, all of the over half a million people could have enough water, and it was not bitter. It was so sweet. I didn't even want to leave. And we got to camp there for about 40 days. As we were walking to this place, though, I I asked my dad why God needed to issue this decree, why he needed to say these things. Wasn't he the one that was going to have to keep his promise? Didn't he know our hearts? And my dad turned to me and he said, yeah, God, this God is, is, is different than, than those gods in Egypt. This, this God is testing us. But he said, son, I don't think it's because God doesn't know our hearts. I think it's because God knows we don't know our hearts. I didn't really get it. I was eight. But, but I loved the place, this place called Elim. This desert spring, this place that we got to stay for 40 days with all the water and all the food and all the shade that we needed. Just abundance, abundance. And, and we were not in Egypt anymore. It was beautiful. Like I said, I didn't want to leave. But as we stayed there, I asked my dad why we got to continue to camp there. And he said, well... Remember when God issued the decree? We needed healing. Remember 40 is special, son. 
40 means something has to die and something new has to be born. God is healing us. Maybe it's just because we needed physical healing. A lifetime of slavery will do that, you know, and and coming out of the desert and coming through the Red Sea and coming through three days without water, we needed healing physically. We needed rest. But I think it was more than that. I think we needed this spiritual healing. The grandfather said maybe the 12 springs were to remind us that that our ancestor Jacob had 12 sons. And they went down into Egypt. And, and not only that, the 70 palm trees, maybe that meant that there were 70 people in Jacob's family that went down into Egypt and were in setback there. And now we had come out, all of us had come out of Egypt. Maybe we needed that spiritual reminder. My dad said maybe we needed mental healing. Maybe that even though we were out of Egypt, Egypt wasn't out of us. This way of thinking about life can stay with us a long time. Again, I didn't really know what he meant, but, but I was starting to understand as we set off from that place, that beautiful oasis. We had left Egypt to go to this desert called Shur, and and then ended up in Mara, and then ended up in Elim, and and Elim was great, but now we left after 40 days, and we went into the desert of Sin. Maybe Sin, because we were about to go. Moses said we needed to go on to Mount Sinai, we needed to meet him there, but in the desert, just a few days, the people started to complain again, they just started to grumble again. Why have you taken us into the desert? Why, Moses? Don't you understand that life was so much better in Egypt? Don't you understand that we had everything we needed in Egypt? Another one said, oh, yes, in Egypt we had pots of meat, all that we could eat, and we had all the bread we could want. I just wanted to run over there and tell them, we did not. We were slaves. Don't you remember? Sure, a little bit of lamb stew but, and, and, and maybe some bread. But God, don't you remember, people? We didn't hear our God. Pharaoh made us work our tails off for it. Life wasn't better in Egypt. Of course, I didn't get to say that because the minute I started talking, my dad grabbed me and said, Shh, don't make a scene. Dishonor our family. Just relax, son. Relax, yes. The people are complaining. Yes, it's not good. But the people are having a hard time letting go of the things they lost in Egypt. They just keep looking at their losses, and and you're right. You're right. Slavery was not good. And you're right. The, The meat that we had and the food that we had, it wasn't as abundant as they think it was. But it's familiar. I can see how your grandfather and your grandmother, they're struggling with the familiarity of Egypt and how we've lost that. They're struggling in this new place, in this new way. I think God is trying to teach us a new way of living. So I I just 
listened to my dad and tried to relax as the people continued to complain and continued to grumble. And, and Moses came out and he said, why do you keep grumbling against God? And the people said, or at least some of the people said, well, we're not grumbling against God. We're grumbling against you. You, Moses, you did this. And he said, God is the one that you're grumbling against. But God has said that he is going to test us. God has said to me that he is going to rain down bread from heaven. I don't even know what that means. But he said he was going to rain down bread from heaven and that you could gather it up and it would be all that you need. In fact, it could be all that you want. I didn't even know what that meant. Enough? We've never had enough. But not only that, Moses said that that God has heard your grumbling. And tomorrow, you will see his glory. Son, I remember the fire where God was in the fire. And I remember the cloud where God was in the cloud. And I remember going through the Red Sea. I didn't think I wanted to see God's glory again. It's pretty terrifying. But he said, tonight, tonight you will know that it was the Lord who saved you. He said, tomorrow, tomorrow in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord. And that evening, he will, bring in, he will bring in birds, he will bring in quail, and you will have all the meat you will want to eat. And then in the morning, he will leave a dew on the ground, and you are to go out after the dew, and you are to find your daily bread. These, these flakes from heaven. And you are to go and gather it. Enough for every family. There will be enough. Each household is supposed to take enough. And then you will know that I am not only the God who saves you, but I am the God who wants to be your Lord. This was what Moses told us. God said, And Aaron came out and he says, God has heard your complaints. Prepare to meet him. And so we did. We prepared. And the next morning, the sun came out and the most glorious cloud appeared. And the radiance of the glory of God shone in. We all stood, I guess, kind of like sunflowers, with our faces to this cloud near the sun, with the radiance and glory of God shining. And we worshipped him. We realized that we, weren't, that we weren't willing to learn a new way of living. We realized that we were, that we were complaining and arguing against the God of the universe. realized that we weren't trusting God. So after being filled with awe, then we looked out into the plains and into the desert wilderness and we saw the dew and we saw the white flakes that were left and the people said, what is it? 
And Moses said, it is the daily bread from heaven. Go and gather all you need. Some families gathered a lot and they had enough. And some families gathered a little and they had a little. Moses told us that we were to bring about two quarts per person in our family. And so my dad sent me out to gather it and gather it I did. I brought it home and we baked the bread and so amazing. Granted, we ate it for 40 years, so we're still eating it now, son. It's the stuff that you see. You just haven't figured out that it's in this jar yet. But, but God was teaching us. He said every morning there will be this bread, this dew. And, and after you gather, after the sun comes up, it'll dry up and it'll evaporate. You're to bake as much as you need. And he said, don't keep it until morning. Don't keep it the next day. But some people didn't listen. Some people, even though we were full of that bread, some people thought, we need to save this. Some of those people were me. I remember those three days. I remember those three days where we were, we were parched in the wilderness. I remember when we came out of Egypt. I remember when there wasn't enough, and I just kept a little, just put it in a, a little piece of my, my tunic, and I slept. And in the morning, I opened it up to, to just have a little before the day, just in case, just in case God didn't provide. And, and in it, it was, it was full of maggots, and it was rotten and moldy, and oh, it was disgusting. I came out, and Moses gave a stern look to many people. There were many that didn't listen to God. There were many that didn't trust him. But sooner or later, we figured it out. The next day, we went and gathered, and there was enough. And the next day, we went and gathered, and there was enough. And every evening, there was just these quail that would just appear. They would come in like they were... They were migrating or something, and we'd have plenty of meat. But every day, we'd gather our daily bread. But then Moses said on the sixth day, we were to gather twice as much. So if you were gathering two quarts, gather four. If you were gathering ten for your family, gather twenty. For the, for the following day, there would, be no, there would be no bread. There would be no flakes that would appear. But God wanted us to have a complete stop. A complete rest. It would be a holy Sabbath, he called it. We were to gather twice as much, bake it, broil it, fry it, make whatever we needed, but the next day there would be no work. We would remember and celebrate our God. Our God who brought us rest. A God who rested at the very beginning of creation. So we did. I didn't go out. My family didn't go out. But some people went out. Some people didn't believe. After six days, they thought, well, God said every day, so I'm going to go out again. And some people went out to find some, and there was none. And finally, God had been so patient. God had been so patient. But finally, God said, When, Moses, when are these people going to believe me? When are they going to trust me that I am providing for them? 
that I want them to live in relationship with me, that I want this day of rest to be a gift. How long? Son, we, we left Egypt. We were never given a day off in Egypt. Even though I only lived eight years there, I remember working every single day. Do you realize, son, that you've been in the wilderness now your whole life, but every week you've had a day of rest? Do you realize that every day God has provided us manna, this bread, this daily bread from heaven? Every day. Yes, we've had to get creative with making it, but every day we've had bread. Every evening we've had quail. God has provided for us. God doesn't want to just save us. He wants to be our Lord. Some people, Moses has already warned us, some people are not going to get to leave this land. We've been here now 30 years. Moses said it's because we didn't believe when God wanted to bring us all, all the way out of our setback, all the way into our comeback, and some of us didn't believe. But we're almost there. In fact, God was not only teaching us, he was providing for us. He was protecting us. The setback, this desert, you know, it hasn't been easy. But coming back from a setback, it's never easy. How are we remembering, son? Well, well, it's my job to have the jar now. Someday we'll get to put it in this dwelling place for God. But, but God told Moses that we are to take some of the manna, some of the bread from heaven. We are to put it in a jar and we are to keep it for all the future generations. Keep it to remind ourselves Keep it to remember how God has saved us, how God has protected us, how he's provided for us, and how he's invited us to trust him. Keep it to tell others so that we can learn this new way of living. Where's your man? was the year of the setback for me and subsequently the comeback. I was in uh, ICU for nine days and spent two days in a coma. Uh, During that time, I spent a lot of time thinking there wasn't going to be a comeback and I was okay with that. I was also on a lot of medication and thinking I was being held against my will and fighting for my life, sometimes physically. I spent time with demons in my room, trying to ask people with me if they could also see the demons. At a certain point, I decided I was going to fight my way through this thing, if for no other reason than for my son to have his father. So I fought, and the fight raged on. I was born into a Christian home, uh, to great Christian parents, and sometimes feel like I was born a Christian. So I was in the midst of all this, that I planted my flag and proclaimed 
my faith is in the Lord. When I opened my hands to God and gave him everything, I was welcomed with peace. God said, I am the light from on high that dawns upon you to give your feet into the way of peace. The following days were still full of evil spirits and physical, spiritual, and emotional battle. But I could turn to the peace of knowing I was in God's mighty hand. Through that time, I thought I was fighting a battle to physically recover, but I now know that I was in a spiritual battle. Before my hospitalization, I just felt adrift. Music is so much at the core of who I am, but lately I would just sit at the computer, sit with my guitar, and stare at the screen. My soul didn't want to sing. When I was recovering, my heart was full of music. I was full of praise. In March, uh, I had some bad test results and was called and I was told to go immediately back to the ER. Uh, that was difficult. I wondered, what happened, God? And I, I questioned. I uh, went back to the hospital and was there for a few days, but I knew all along I was in God's hands. What I thought was the worst thing to happen to me has been the best thing that could have happened to me. My recovery is ongoing, and I still have tough days. I have dark days. But I'm thankful for my spiritual recovery. Jesus told his followers 1,500 years after Moses that he would be our daily bread. That Jesus would be enough for us. That he doesn't just want to save us so that we don't go to live eternally separated from God. But he wants to be our Lord so that we can actually live now and forever. To depend on Jesus as our daily bread means that we trust him with everything we have and with all that we are. It's not easy. Maybe you feel like Jordan, where God has moved in major ways in your life. You're out of this setback, but you're not quite to your comeback. That's the series we've been in, in this idea of journeying from setback to comeback, that God takes us out, but it's not easy. And it's not one thing. It's a journey. And we might feel like we're in a desert, where we've left the major thing, or it's been taken from us, but we're not to that promised peace. So where's your loss? Because it might be so tragic because the thing that you had was so good. And there's not an easy way to say that. We're not promised tomorrow. We are promised that God will make all things right in the end, though. We can trust him because he knows everything. He's all-powerful, and he is good. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up so that we could have life, is the one who promises this. Your loss might not be as tragic, but it's still difficult because the thing you're looking back on is familiar or it's comforting. If that's the case, then I would encourage you to look at this story that we just witnessed through, through 
through narrative and, and realize that God is trying to help you to leave your losses so that you can learn a new way of living. So how are you doing? How are you learning this new way? Who do you need around you to help you to learn that? What do you need to put in your jar? What do you need to write? And what do you need to draw to remind you that God has provided for you? That he is providing for you? That he does protect you? Because you might make it to a paradise. A place of of pause. A place of rest. And you might forget that there's more to your comeback. Or you might still long for the things you had before. But either way, that's a pause to let God heal you. To let him restore you, not only physically, not only mentally, but also spiritually. So how can you remember? What do you need to write? On the back of your worship folder, there's space. I would encourage you to write or draw whatever you need for your daily bread. That God is good, that he does remind. If you need prayer, you want a conversation afterwards, we'll have people back in the prayer cove to do that with you. But that you would take this thing that you draw or this thing that you write and that you'd remind yourself with it. That you'd remember who this God is and how he still works and that you would tell others so that we all would never forget. Thank you, Jordan, for sharing your story. Would you pray with me? God, you remind us that heaven is our home. That life in heaven will be so much better than the best things on this earth. And God, that is sometimes encouraging and sometimes hard to hear. Because sometimes the things we have on this earth are so good. So help us to trust you as Savior and Lord. To believe in you for our death, but to trust you for our living. That heaven is, can be far better than we can ask or imagine.